everybody, you've got gas. The great American auto scene, the auto show you want to watch. Hey, we're here tonight with a big full audience of people. Uh, no, in studio we have a, a group of people. We have our normal nutcases such as Anna Octane. How you doing, Anna? Zoom, zoom. I'm doing great. Oh, you're Thanks doing for good. Having me. I didn't, but it's another story. Bruce Barker <laughs> at the controls. What, what did he say? Oh, yeah, good to good to see you, everybody. Yeah, good to be joining you. And special guest in studio tonight is Randy Cardoon from KNX 1070 Radio and talking about cars. I came in for water. I just you happened did? to notice it's here. So yeah. thanks. Good night, everybody. It's been great seeing you. That's Wait, don't good. drink that. Yes. It's cooling. <laughs> All right. We've got some great stuff going on for you tonight. We're going to be talking about Barrett Jackson. And if time permits and the callers let us, we're going to be talking about the GTO, the famous Pontiac muscle car developed by John Z. DeLorean, kind of covertly, and it worked. But right now, what have you been up to, uh, Anna? Uh, <laughs> that much. You once again, such that an pre- exciting life. Once again, that pre-show meeting is paying yeah. benefits. <laughs> you guys should be here for We used all our material already. Yeah, before we went live. Doing? So this is how okay, a show is done. Okay, I know done. what I did. You did? Okay, I, yeah. know. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm glad you know. That sounds, <laughs> I'd be worried if you didn't. I actually. still know what you did we last summer. We were in first mm. place at the Grand National Roadster Show. With our pedal car tribute to Bill Hines. Well, that's cool. That was Yay. impressive. Yeah, that was very and that impressive. That was a neat car. And uh, you you also had an effigy of Bill in the car, didn't you? Yes, we made a paper mache doll of him. <laughs> was actually, effigy the right word? Effigy? Effigy. I because I think a, something else I when I hear the word I effigy. I thought it was a love token. A love token? <laughs> okay. And then we gifted it to the family. Okay. Yeah. You're... Yeah, I no, okay. And I heard Peg won Peg? Uh, a class award. Yes, my wife won a class in uh, Street Rod Sedan. Yay! Forty six so first class. We rock. We rocked it at Grand we National. Did, we did. Fun show. It was a great show. Randy, what have you been up to? You you and I were traveling a little bit. Well, that's the thing. I think the show is all about what we've been doing the yes. last several weeks. And, well, not uh, all, but part of Well, it. the stuff when we were together, together. I suppose. Frankly, um, I'm not all that interested. That's yeah. another channel that you have. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to get into that. But I think uh, well, we've had some fun. We went down to Arizona, Scottsdale, yep. for the Barrett-Jackson auctions with the idea that we'll do some stuff there. We'll go on to other auctions. We never went to any other auctions. No. Uh, but we could have but it was a lot of fun because we had a chance to see some great cars had some adventures and what was fun talking about cars which you can hear on radio.com and uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, which I always thought was the same as iTunes but also knx1070.com we always say everybody has a car story so one day we decided hey Let's just find out if everybody literally has a car story. And we started walking up to people on the in yeah. the in the place and started asking them, and we got some great stuff. Oh yeah, we we ran into so many people that was amazing. You're talking to the guy walking around in a t-shirt, and Levi's, and nothing you know really special about the clothing. I mean, it was a worn-out t-shirt. So, sir, how many cars do you have? Well, I got 35 in this one garage. And we live in Nebraska. Yeah. And I guess the most interesting story we had about the whole weekend was the first person we interviewed. Now, this guy comes up. We're not going to mention any names because we forgot it. But he had a Oldsmobile. Oh, that guy. Oh, gosh. An Oldsmobile Diesel. I don't, know his, I don't think we ever knew his name. No, I think we were smart enough not to ask it after what happened. Okay, but go ahead. Randy interviewed the gentleman. His interview has been live on Facebook. If you search through Randy Cardoon, it's there. Uh, He had an Oldsmobile 98 four-door sedan, diesel powered. He was the original owner, had all the documentation. Circa about 1978, 79? Yeah, something like that. And Randy and I are looking at each other going, this is an Oldsmobile diesel. It's the car that almost single-handedly killed the diesel market in the United States. <laughs> well, this car, I mean, it was immaculate. He brought it in from Nebraska. It was really clean. It was. It, it was. It's the first car across the block. We asked him what he was going to do. He told Randy he's uh, expecting about $20,000, but depending on how much he sells it for, we'll predicate what he goes to buy next exactly and so we're thinking okay 20 grand that seems a little high but maybe yeah. not 
Yeah. Maybe not. So we go in to watch the action. That's it. We get there, and he's the second car up, but the first car actually to be sold. I think the first car actually yeah. up on the ramp was some sort of uh, other vehicle that they were showcasing. Th- yeah, that was a, that funny little driving bi- uh, uh, boat of sorts. Yeah. Well, it, you're not talking about the aqua car. I don't think that was it. But it was something. Yeah, it was a vehicle. and so. But this was the actual first car to go up there for that day. Right. And we're watching it, and it's kind of like the expression on our face was watching what when you drive on the freeway mm-hmm. and there's an accident, mm-hmm. and the look on your face like, oh, I've got to see this. Don't look, don't look, don't look. Oh, my God, I've looked. Yeah, we watched the Titanic, basically. Basically. Two grand. Went for two grand. Oh my! Gavel two. price two thousand dollars. So you figure his seller's fee, his shipping charge from Nebraska. This guy basically brought his car down there to give it away, because he didn't get any money out of this thing. Is it possible? And I don't know this to be true, but yeah. I've heard this is done. Is it possible that somebody offered two grand, and basically he bought it back? I, you know, if I were him, I probably would have when it stalled at two thousand dollars. Yeah, his like, wife was probably running around going, two, two, please, thousand. please, don't, don't, yeah. I mean, right. and now that's bad enough when you're expecting twenty and you get two. Right. But the next car was definitely insult to injury. It was a Pinto. Mm-hmm. All right, now Pinto. This was a very nice Pinto, by the way. It was grabber blue, white top, roof rack, sport back, and the roof. decal that says Ralph Nader Special right yeah. there on the side. Yeah. I mean, and it was a beautiful car. It looked like it just came off the showroom, and it bid to, I believe, sixteen five, sixteen thousand five hundred for a Pinto, and two thousand dollars for an Olds ninety eight. So in review. You just you just no. lost your car for two thousand dollars, and yeah. a dude shows up with a explosion special Pinto, yeah. which looked awesome, by the way. It was gorgeous, and it sold for sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and you know the guy with the Pinto is probably going, "All right, I'm going to buy a Corvette now," and the guy with the Oldsmobile is going, "All right, I get to buy Matchbox cars." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's still action. That's. That's still that fun. Because uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's true. But when you're expecting 20 and you get two, it's no longer action. It's it's depression. And I, <laughs> and I don't know if they showed that, actually, on the uh, Barrett-Jackson broadcast. Don't know. Don't so know. If you're, a lot of us will listen, and I know I go through it as well, to sit there and get the, catch the drama. Yeah. Well, the this, excitement. This drama. Yeah, this was the opening. Now, all morning we watched them selling memorabilia. If you've never been to a Barrett-Jackson auction. It really is, and I don't want to say carnival, but it is an exciting spectacle. And the first half of the day is nothing but memorabilia. Posters, uh, gas pumps, light neon lights. They had hundreds and hundreds of these on display so you could look at them beforehand and then a little tag on them that says what day and what time they would approximately come across the block. And we were watching, for example, a Goodyear sign, neon sign, very nice sign. They said it was unrestored, but it was in perfect condition, and it's bidding to four or $5,000. Right, and, and, petrol memorabilia. Yeah, Some of those signs are porcelain. Yeah, exactly. And we were watching people just bid these things up and buy, snap this stuff up. But then as, shortly before the cars would come on, the seating would start to fill. And it didn't matter what day it was. Randy and I, you, you, we went early. We didn't mm-hmm. want to be there for the big crowds at the end of the week. But it was still packed. Mm-hmm. And it got busier and busier each and every day. We got a little bit of rain, but everything was under cover. We had, what, five or six tents that were as big as a football field. Yeah. And cars underneath, four deep. Right. And they were there were some of them that were just amazing and some of them that were just wow, I haven't seen one of those type things. We saw a number of uh, very collectible Mopars. Yeah, there were some very nice cars there, some customs. Yeah. Uh some cars you and this is what I look for is cars you never see. Yeah. Like uh, 60s Mercuries or, or, mm-hmm. or 50s uh, vehicles like that. The cars that, sure, there's a lot of Fords, there's a lot of Mustangs, there's your Camaros, there's a lot of stuff you see at just yeah. about every place. And there, and there are 
usually for going for either a really good price or a very large price. Yeah. So the question is, okay, what about other stuff there? And uh, from time to time, you, you have some really neat stuff that's out there. The question is, of course, um, if you find what you're looking for. Yes. And that's always kind of a neat thing. And, you know, one of the things that we looked at the night before we were watching the news and there was a reporter for the local news station that talked about this lady who was interested in buying her old Mercury back, 66, 67. 67, I believe. And as we were walking up that first day, we came across a 67 Monterey, but it was a convertible. Now, they aired that on the local TV station out yeah. there. And I don't mean to get nitpicky, but one of the things you learn, and I used to do weekends at Fox Channel yeah. 11 here in Los Angeles doing sports, is the video usually has to match what you say. Yeah, exactly. That's the idea. Yeah. So the TV station in Phoenix was actually showing it, and they had the lady talking about the car. And what she was show what they were showing over it was not a 1967 Mercury, no. but a Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, now, uh, <laughs> now, just in case you don't remember that that far yeah. when Mercury's existed, yeah. I don't remember any Mercury looking like a Ferrari no. ever, even today. No. Well, no, there well, aren't no, any today. Well, no, it doesn't exist today. Yeah, it doesn't exist. But, but even the most... If it did. The most exciting Mercury didn't look like a Ferrari. But if you could get a Ferrari at a Mercury price, that would be exciting. Bingo. And there was the problem. <laughs> but uh, and, I don't think that's the one she was talking about. I think about, any Ferrari that, that showed there definitely got good money. Uh, the further along you got into the show the higher the values got on the cars. And they started out with the lower value cars. The Pinto was a real surprise. The first day, I think the highest bidded car was 100 and a quarter, 100 and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were some really nice cars. One of the things that, although it, they, everything looks restored on the TV set, they are not. And in the case of the Mercury we saw, that had tears in the roof, it had uh, been used as a, a braille parking method at one point in time. Uh, yes, and true. Uh, it, it, and no offense to anyone on that one. It just there wasn't a straight piece of sheet metal on it. It had all been touched at one point in time by something or other. But you know, one of the things we've got a lot of stories that we're going to tell about it. But we got Howie Schneider from New York on the phone with us right now. New Howie. York, New York. How's it going, Howie? Hello there. Hello there, Bob. How are you? We're doing great. How's the snow? <laughs> the snow? Well, hey, it's it's snow, and it's ice, and it's uh, wet snow, yeah. um, but not that much. It's a, it's no blizzard, but here in Long Island, they make they kind of exaggerate it. Uh, but it's a good safety thing to be safe and drive slower. But some people don't. But, no, I, I, um, I remember my days in New York. I'm a, a Brooklyn kid. We're from Farmingdale. Yeah, <laughs> What's that, Utah? Farmingville? No. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm from West Babylon, but okay. I'm also oh. on a local uh, college station, 90.3, called Motor Mouth Radio. I'm known as Howie the Big Man, and I usually take care of, um, you know, uh, I go to shows and I call in, and sometimes I go on the radio station um, and discuss, you know, all the Long Island car shows oh, what, what, that happen. So what, what's going on? A lot of things going on. We have uh, February 23rd, a President's Council meeting. And what that means is the presidents and vice presidents and board members from each of the car clubs get together and try to hammer out a, a reasonable schedule. Uh, sometimes things can be changed, sometimes they can't. That's happening on the 23rd. Uh, the 24th, you might know this man. He's kind of globally known, Howard Kopp Kroplick. He has uh, the Howard uh, Kroplick. Yes, yes. Wow. I'll be meeting him on the twenty fourth in Rosalind. He's having an open house and showing off uh, the Tucker that he recently uh, restored. Oh. I think it's number ten forty four. Very nice. And, yeah, it's one of the lateral ones. And I, and I had a discussion with him at Old Westbury Gardens uh, when the Tucker was brown and he bought it that way. And, uh, you know, he's talking, do you think I need a restoration? I said, no, man, as is, it sounds, it looks very good. And usually, Howard, he he cannot leave it alone. So he had uh, Tucker experts and uh, 
body experts and engine experts, and he went to Pebble Beach with it, I think, mm. recently, and, and won a first-place uh, wow. trophy on it. Did he drive it there, uh, or did he... Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. Did he drive it there? Yeah. Uh, no, he probably had it... Trailer. Uh, he had it uh, yeah. uh, trailered, uh, okay. you know, there. One thing about Pebble Beach, You know, though, from New York to California, I don't think the Tuck is going to drive. Oh, yeah, well, but, you know, If it did win, he had to drive across right. the uh, block when they present the trophy. That's why I mentioned it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he drives across the block, but not across the country. No. Even a real unrestored Tucker is going for about a million and a half dollars right now. So That's if he restored correct. it, it could go any it could go up to three million or the most valuable oh. Tucker is Preston Tucker's Tucker. It's car number thirty. That's a six million dollar car. Wow. There's a man that, that, he that, needs that, to bring amazing. that trucker to my house. Okay, <laughs> to your house, yeah. So at Bob's Big Boy yeah. here in Southern California, right. there was a Tucker okay. that had a 1963 Mercury instrument yes. panel. Uh, and no, it had louvered. Okay. Lou, not louvers. What yeah, am I it has of? louvers, yeah, louvers in, in the front in, of it. In the uh, hood. Yeah, now that car, that's an interesting car because that's a well documented vehicle. A gentleman bought a number of Tuckers when they had the. Uh, sell out of company assets and he bought them that one he gave to his daughter she couldn't drive a manual transmission it's set on a mercury chassis oh now, that car but that's was, not a true tucker it, the body is and the car has been restored back to a tucker now i had to inspect the car when i was with uh, one of the insurance companies and do an appraisal on the vehicle the vehicle is last we saw it and i didn't see it there i just saw photographs of it it was in canada at one of the auction houses repair shop and they were bringing it back to stock and they found a number of the correct pieces for it like the engine the and so forth the, the dashboard the yeah, engine and so be. forth i mean the tucker guys are uh, are anal about that stuff and they found the pieces to restore that back to stock they had to fill the louvers in but it, it was a mercury dash it was a mercury uh, big block an fe motor on a mercury chassis so his daughter could drive the car and i had to appraise the car he had bought it he had just bought it on barrett jackson or meekum and he paid five hundred thousand for it and mm -hmm. wanted us to insure it for a million at the time this was uh, nine years ago at the time a stock restored Tucker was a million dollars. So here's half a Tucker. And he wanted a million dollars. Half a Tucker. Yeah. It, wow. It, it was a Tucker body. And the moral of the story is thou shalt not molest a Tucker. <laughs> Especially yeah. with a murder. I agree. Dashboard. And a true yeah. Tucker needs a, cha a Tucker chassis and a Tucker engine. Otherwise, right. it's not a Tucker. Well, what we found was the guy was also a car dealer. Oh. And this was uh, a flip. So he had to be a car dealer. He yeah. was mixing and matching. Well, you he, know, it was, it was a... It was a gypsy Tucker. Well, the, the guy who bought it on, on eBay or uh, through the auctions, uh, it, as a matter of fact, it was eBay. He bought it on eBay for $500,000. He was flipping it. But what we found out, wow. we had 20 cars of his insured, and he was a used car lot. We were insuring his inventory. So we quickly pulled the insurance from this gentleman hmm. back in the day. So wow. tell me something, Howie. Uh, Barrett-Jackson, Meekum, all the auctions go back to the east as well. Have you been to one of them? Yes, I have. Uh, I have been to the one in uh, in Florida okay. when I was visiting my mom about probably, I would say, about four, four or five years ago. I have some friends that work for um, Barrett-Jackson, so with their help, I, I got in and got a vip pass and uh, enjoyed it thoroughly and did get around with my wife you know about you know raising my hand because she saw me on television <laughs> and i said yeah i'm ready to raise the hand hon i hope you know hope you you know you got the money you know yeah, there you go yeah <laughs> and, uh, i'll wave at your butt it's gonna cost you oh, oh absolutely you know usually they 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 like you to have uh you know pre-register with mm, them and get to. a paddle and a paddle is 30 thirty thousand dollars you know a paddle yeah. uh, and they they don't they usually like to have a you know a bank authorization you know uh so i i basically i can do better in the in the local area mm -hmm. when i'm looking for a vehicle sure. uh than buying it at the auction and then paying fees so i i went there for the you know pure like entertainment sure and uh um, I've been doing this uh, a long time. I've probably been in car clubs for probably 25 years. Uh, I'm currently a, a vice president of a Cadillac uh, club of, of uh, Long Island, formerly the Long Island Dreamboats. Um, 
and I'm in also a Buick club and in a and in a Pontiac club, but I only tell my wife two. I don't <laughs> want to push her over the edge. Well, that's probably a good thing. Having a wife not you on know. your side is usually a good thing, especially if you don't want to like sleep in the garage. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a good. Or, thing. Or, or sleep in the camper. You know, you buy you the go. camper. Exactly. You know, or all my all my friends say, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be using that. You know, you're gonna be sleeping in that. Or sleeping in um, the Tucker, and you you yeah. never want that to happen. <laughs> Trust me. Right. No, you don't yeah. want that. To no, happen. no, no, no. Well, thanks for well, calling in yeah. and sharing your Tucker story. Just don't buy one on eBay. Yeah, and how if you would? <laughs> <laughs> Private message me with your address, if you will, because we're going to do a drawing later on for one of the gas or talking about car hats. And uh, Anna Octane is wearing the gas hat and holding the talking about cars hat right now. Oh, I would would love to have one. I would love to have one. All right. All right. Private message me with your address, and we'll be drawing later tonight. Thanks for calling in. We've got to make a commercial break. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Howie. Happy motoring. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Great American Auto Scene. We're going to be right back. This year, the 60-horsepower engine is equipped with the same quality-type semi-centrifugal clutch as the 85. For 1942, the 60 has an improved crankshaft. The main bearings are longer, and the pin bearings are larger in diameter, both resulting in a sturdier, more rugged shaft longer bearing life, and smoother engine operation. And this year, the 60 horsepower engine is on a par with the 85 for accessibility. The low grill, low wide radiator, and the mounting of the fan on the crankshaft give more room for mechanics to work. Improvements all. Changes and advances that set a new standard for the low price field. And remember, these many new improvements are in addition to the proved Ford features that have set the tempo for motor car progress in the past. Every one of these features and improvements are to be found on each distinctive body style. The deluxe four-door sedan, roomier than ever before. The deluxe two-door sedan. The deluxe coupe. The deluxe business coupe. A brand new body style this year. And the new deluxe convertible club coupe. The business coupe has a divided seat back that pivots forward to permit easy access to a big compartment for luggage or salesman samples. When this space is not used for luggage, two additional passengers can be carried on the small auxiliary seats that fold down from the sides. These seats make the business coupe a five passenger car. The 1940 Deluxe Convertible Club Coupe has a vacuum-operated automatic top that can be raised or lowered with a movement of a knob conveniently operated from the driver's seat. This costly feature is regular equipment, not an accessory at extra cost. Another outstanding example of the Ford ability to provide high value at low price. And here are the new lower-priced Ford cars for 1940. First, the two-door sedan. The four-door sedan. If that light's not on. The coupe, with plenty of room for three big passengers. And the business coupe. Like the deluxe, this car has two small folding seats for extra passengers. Here are the cars for those prospects who demand a lot of car at a low price. They are available with either the 85-horsepower engine or with the 60-horsepower engine at a much lower price. From this brief review, you can see that in 1940, Ford again has made tremendous strides in automobile design. 22 improvements, every one of them carrying a big sales appeal. The big job now for every Ford salesman is to see to it that every prospect knows about these new improvements, as well as the time-proved features of Ford design. At announcement time, you're going to meet more people than at any other time in the year. Let's start carrying the ball on announcement day and keep it up throughout the year. Contact, demonstrate, sell the big new car with the big appeal. It's Ford 440.
Welcome back, I'm everybody. Just We're my here in coupe you right now, your coupe? just to make sure it's on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank heavens I have that, you know, double-sided tape. Well, you know, it it makes sure you don't have a flat head. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. That's not the first time I've been accused of that. <laughs> All right. If you'd like to talk to us about your experience at uh, a Barrett Jackson auction or one of the others, give us a call. Eight hundred. 809-0802. That's an interesting, by the way, I wanted to poke this in, the yes. uh, story early on in the show about the diesel Oldsmobile. And yes. uh, I guess that would be, you know, you get two grand for your car. There was no reserve on that car, right? right. No, just like, not. no, not on a Barrett-Jackson. No. Okay. You know, they occasionally yeah, but will do rare. it, but it's very rare on a Barrett-Jackson to have yeah. something like that. But, it's interesting because we talked to, uh, um, uh, to John Craman yeah. of uh, Meekum. Yes, we did. And we talked to him at the uh, recent Dr. George show in Las Vegas. We had him up there. No, no, and no. We, we weren't in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. At uh, Palm Desert. <laughs> I know well, we were in Las Vegas. Everybody was somewhere. You were in Las Vegas. For SEMA. That's yes. something else. That's another story. That's we don't talk about story. that because what happens in Vegas stays in And Vegas. you weren't yeah. there, so I'd no. have to talk to myself. That would, <laughs> that would kill the listenership. But anyway, <laughs> it may be killing it now. No, I don't know. Well, yeah, so, <laughs> at the Dr. George show in Palm Desert, John Craman talking about the Meekum way of doing things. And I'm not saying which is better and which isn't. Right. To me, they're all the same, and it's, it's a lot of fun. But... They do something, you know, and the bidding goes on. Yeah. And so if you they get to a part where they're not getting the money they want, you can sit there and actually keep it going, take a pause, go to the next car. And then I asked him, well, how does that process work? And he, t he detailed basically that people can go up and they could talk off camera and, and deal with that kind of thing at a Mecham auction. And that way, if there's a car somebody there likes or somebody who's doing it over the phone, right. you can actually bid that way. And it, it to me, is, is kind of interesting because you can compare the two and see the different ways that it's done. Whereas Barry yeah. Jackson, once you sell it, boom, for the most part, it's it's sold. It's gone. Yeah. The other thing we I noticed, I was watching the, uh, the Gooding auction today on TV from back east and it was uh, one where the Wayne Carini was was taking a car to and he was real disappointed but it was the difference being when we went to Barrett Jackson the caller or the auctioneer is hitting you hard and he's talking a mile a minute. Isn't he British? Must be. And he is just talking, you know, they're talking at you and they're trying to get you excited about the bidding. I'm watching the gooding, it was like, well, sir, would you like to bid on this car? They're polite. It is a very nice car. Right now we have a bid of $500,000. Would you like to up it? It is a very nice Volkswagen Beetle. I like the part where they say, then, uh, <laughs> you know, someone who really is worthy of such a car like this would double the bid right now. Unless you're not. And then it's like, yeah. what? Jewish guilt? What the yeah, hell? Hey, what what are you doing here? We are not worthy. No. We are not worthy. We, no, I, I, I couldn't even bid on that Pinto at Barrett Jackson. That's <laughs> <laughs> the Oldsmobile was more in my price range, but that's not another. That's sort of the story altogether. Jeeves, another cup holder, please. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. More you can spend Poupon. as much on the petrol petrol memorabilia as you can on the cars. Well, yeah, and that's what we saw. And one of the things that uh, Randy saw <laughs> that um, he really like wanted, that? yes, was the uh, Desoto couch. Oh, yes, because. And if my wife's watching, she'll understand and she know, because I've told her already, that uh, I was looking at the possibility of buying a 1957 DeSoto uh, Fireflight hardtop, I believe. And it's the it's the one with the... Huge wings. It's got huge wings. It was one, it was one of the forward-look cars. Yeah. Uh, one of the first ones that Dodge put out there, or Chrysler put out, and they all had these incredible wings, and that was the one that eventually led to the ones General Motors decided to mm -hmm. put on their cars in 1959 mm -hmm. and along the line. So I'm looking at this, and while I'm deciding, I see the tail end uh, of a couch, and we've all seen them. They are basically... Um, the, somebody cut the tail off a car, yeah, the stuck a couch in the panels. trunk yeah. area, and it looks really cool. Well, they did that to a DeSoto. Yeah, so which I was posted, unusual. Yeah, and I posted that, and I thought, gee, decisions, decisions. <laughs> Do I go for the 57 DeSoto automobile or the 57 DeSoto couch? <laughs> and her response was? The 57 DeSoto taillight. That's all we could afford. <laughs> 
So I you know find the taillight now, but we're working yeah, on that. We're working on that because yeah. I've got the listing here. That couch yeah. sold for twenty eight thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Oh, seriously, the couch. The that car was, more was than half the, the car. price. Yeah, that, was more, that car was less than half the price of that. Well, and uh, think of all the uh, the parts you could have gotten off that couch. You know, the taillights were were functional. Oh, it was gorgeous. I mean, that that thing. It was, if I remember correctly, it was red, uh, and it was wasn't it. I'll uh, find it. You'll find dark it. Well, Bruce has already got it. There is oh, a Lalique radiator mascot Malik. called the Fox that is worth $100,000 just for the radiator mascot. Gee. Really? You really? can collect anything. You just don't need the car. Well, we're talking about <laughs> mascots like that. If you go to the Merle Norman Museum here in Southern California uh, and at yes. San Silmar, mm-hmm. they have a whole collection of hood ornaments. Now, many of them are Rolls-Royce, and what they have, which is is really interesting, uh, each Rolls-Royce mascot or hood ornament is individually made. They're not made from a mold that you can readily pour the metal into and get it out. Hmm. They're carved out of wax. It's called lost wax casting. And they make the mold around the wax. They pour the molten metal in. The wax burns off. And when it cools, they open up the mold, and there is your new hood ornament or mascot. Which is a sculpture. Yeah, it's a sculpture. Starts out as a wax sculpture. So they've got craftsmen, and that's one of the reasons Rolls-Royce costs so much is because they got some stupid guy carving wax. but um, <laughs> And melting it off. And melting it off. It's a waste. You just one spent at a time? days. Yeah, one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. One at How a time. much would that cost to insure, Mr. Insurance Guy? <sighs> oh, gosh. I don't know. Beyond a lot, a lot. more. A, yeah, a lot more than the car after about 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, we, I remember uh, having to inspect the uh, Rolls Royce, I forget which model it was, Corniche, I believe it was, and it was $10,000. And I'm going, gee, $10,000, and I could have a Rolls Royce. The brake job is $5,000. <laughs> I mean, the whole car, the, and the reason why they dropped, some of them would drop in value like that was because the cost of maintenance and ownership. So why wouldn't a Ferrari have that same experience? It does. Is that right? It does, but the, the difference is it's a Ferrari. Ooh, it's not a sedan. So the Ferrari has a racing history. When was the last time you saw a racing Rolls? Although mm-hmm. they did at one point in time with the Bentleys <laughs> and the Rolls. They they did have they used for for one thing in the early days, Rolls Royce did not build the bodies. They only built the chassis with an engine. Hmm. Coach builders built the bodies. So you had some in uh, we've what, seen Jane Lennon. Right? Yeah, the twenties, thirties up until the forties. And they even had a US operation where the chassis was shipped over and the cars were built here in the U.S. Yes. for U.S. consumption, mm-hmm. the left-hand drive uh, Rolls Royces. Uh, occasionally, you know, we're in the Southern California area, and we have a restaurant called Bob's Big Boy, and it's a hamburger place. Every Friday night, it's got a cruise night. Similar to like a lot of a lot of Bob's places. Big Boys around yeah. the country, yeah. And Jay Leno occasionally would come in there after he'd shoot his TV show, mm-hmm. and a couple of times he came in with a blower Bentley, but not the one with the body, just the chassis, engine, and two seats. Is that cow. legal? Is that street legal? It was, well, it had it's lights. Jay Leno. It doesn't Would you matter. Pull Jay Leno over. I mean, it had lights. It, it had, had, had lights. Seat. It had He's seats. Got a okay. It didn't like need that. seat belts. <laughs> and and he'd drive it in the okay. Bob's Big Boy on the cruise night. And it was just the coolest thing to see. So, uh, do you know that Jay got the first 2018 Ford GT? Yes, and he's got the first of the previous edition as well. He got him. Both. That's because he uh, does good PR for auto companies. Remember the commercial? It might have even been a Super Bowl commercial where he, Jerry Seinfeld, and all these other people are trying to compete for the number one car of a certain make. It may have very well been the Ford GT. May have been. And and I think it was Seinfeld and somebody else going back and forth. And then Jay swoops in and takes it and runs away. (laughs) <laughs> ha-ha! You know, that, that perfect laugh. That was a funny commercial. All right, night. you've got gas. The Great American <laughs> Auto Scene going on right now. We're not showing commercials, we're not but showing we're commercials telling you right about now, them. But we're telling you about them. And if you want, call in 800-809-0802 and talk to us about your experiences with Barrett Jackson. And we're going to take a commercial break in just a few moments and come back, and we're going to talk about one of the most popular muscle cars of all time, the GTO. Gas, tires, and oil. Little GTO. I guess. Who did that song? I'm waiting for you to fade out. Yeah, yeah, Because after that, I don't know. I don't know. GTO stand for gas. Gas, tires, and oil. Yes. No. It's Gran Turismo Oblongata. 
Yeah, Gesundheit. Oblig- no. Yeah. Really? No, it's, I think it it's omoligato. Obligato. They, they stole yeah. it from Ferrari. My, my, licensed it. My Italian ain't so very well. Yeah. Obligato. What is obligato, though? Because omoligato is, is Italian pasta, for homologation. For, <laughs> yeah. It's a pasta, I believe. Pasta. Gran Turismo yeah. Tortellini. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Didn't we once do that on Facebook? And Gran Turismo. Yeah. Oh, what he said. Oh, okay. Obligato. Are we still alive? Yes, we are. <laughs> okay, just wanted, believe it or else. Yes. We're not watching. Uh, between you, me, and the wall, here's a little secret here's as to what's secret. going on here. Yeah. We aren't looking at any monitors. No, we're not. Because we found that when we were doing the show, at yeah. least when I guessed it on the show, we were staring at the monitors too much like I'm doing right, right now. now. Yeah, yeah. The camera. So we decided to just to keep the flow going, treat it like a radio interview. Right. And, and we're so, doing kind of radio format tonight. Right. We're not looking at the monitors. No. Do not try to adjust the horizontal. Do not try and adjust the vertical. There's actually four blondes on this show tonight. Oh, man. That's why this is happening. <laughs> wow. Yes. And oh, there they are. One of us is naturally blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it looks great. You're looks chrome. Good. I'm chrome, yeah. I'm chrome. I'm a current guy. It's chrome. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bruce, chrome. do we have another commercial insert in here? Sure we do. So we stop insulting people? <laughs> and just in time. Especially ourselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Futuramic. It's a brand new word for dramatic design of the future. As architects will tell you, futuramic design combines beauty with utility. In houses or in automobiles, futuramic design means styling with a purpose. The new 1948 Oldsmobile is the first of the futuramic cars. It's designed for utmost passenger comfort and maximum visibility, as well as for smartness and style. And with GM Hydromatic Drive, there's no gear shifting, no clutch pushing. Just step on the gas and go. The smart way, the futuramic way, the Oldsmobile way. Mommy, will the thunder make us late? Don't worry, we'll be on time. With the flick of a switch, American Eagle lets you shift on the fly from two-wheel drive to the sure-footed traction of four-wheel drive. Because sometimes security is the most important thing your car can give you. They wouldn't have missed this for the world. When nature makes it rain or snow, fight back. Make it Eagle. The beloved Beetle once the lowest-priced car in America. Dependable, basic transportation, but homely. Then it went away, leaving an emptiness in the hearts of America until the beloved Yugo, lowest-priced, dependable, basic transportation. All we've said about the Beetle is true for the Yugo, but it isn't homely. The Yugo, at $39.90, it's the road back to sanity. Great American Auto Show scene. scene. You're making a scene again. (laughs) See, Bob, you'll have to excuse Bob because Bob was actually watching our show. You know what's the best thing about being the only girl in studio? I get to look at three handsome men for an hour. Where? Sweet. (laughs) Oh, man. Where did they go? I have the best gig in town. I just sit here and look at boys all night. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm Hot Rod Bob. You've got Gas and Great American Auto Scene with Bruce Barker, Anna Octane, and special guest in studio tonight, Randy and from Talking About Cars. Yeah. And this segment, this time, we're going to go into the GTO, the Pontiac, that kind of set the stage for kind of mid-range muscle cars. The Pontiac GTO was not a cheap car. It was the middle model line from uh, Generous Motors. Well, keep in mind as well that back when it came out in 1964, it was an option, number one. Yeah. Number two, it that at the time, the Le Mans was this, really the cheapest Pontiac you could get. It was the smallest body style. Uh, and on the it, Tempest, yeah. Right, on the Tempest. And they, they would basically, you know, crowbar, shoehorn, whatever mm-hmm. you want to use mm-hmm. to put in a very large engine into the Pontiac at the time. And that really is just a simple matter of a lot of power, 
a light body, right. and you would get some serious performance. And that begat, for Pontiac at least, uh, you would start, suddenly start seeing um, the high-performance part of Pontiac right. really coming in. You would see uh, everything from the... Um, the two plus two Pontiac big body vehicles. Mm-hmm. You would see the GTO, my personal favorite. I love the '65. Yeah, I think the stacked headlights. Yes, that's yes. a gorgeous car. Yeah, uh, I like the '68. I think mm-hmm. that was really neat. Uh, even to an extent, uh, the '70 was really nice. '69, okay, um, and it's odd because they use the same body on that. Mm. And of course, that continued on until what '74 when they basically put. The GTO nameplate back on the the Ventura. Yeah, well, it, yeah, but it was, but it didn't have a big engine or anything. No, and the Ventura was just a model Chevy variation Nova. of a Chevy Nova. Right. Yeah, and the first, like you're saying, it was a trim option in 1964 through 1966. It was a Le Mans. If you look at the VIN number, it does not tell you it's a GTO without that 389, or uh, I think in in 66 it went to a 400. Uh, so sixty-five, it's, not a, G, it's six, not a GTO. Sixty-five wasn't an actual GTO. No, well, no, it was still Le Mans with the uh, GTO package, and the GTO package was the three eighty-nine. A Le Mans had the same body pieces, same trim, other than the word GTO and the hood scoop. The grills were a little bit different, little trim difference, but it was a it was a Le Mans. So if you get someone who's trying to sell you what they're saying is a GTO. And it does not have a 389 in it in the early years. It's not a GTO. And I had a discussion with a gentleman that had a 65. He put a 468 Chevrolet engine in. He can no longer prove that it's a GTO. Oh. Copies of that editorial are available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it, it was Le Mans, and the VIN number will say Le Mans. Okay. It will not say GTO. GTO is a trim option. I believe it was 1967 if I remember correctly, when it became an actual standalone model. So when you ordered a GTO, you got a GTO. But what DeLorean got going with Pontiac is they one-upped every other Generous Motors division. They had a 389. GM had a limit of 400 cubic inches in that body style class. Chevy still had 327 was the biggest you could get in 64. Oldsmobile had a 330-inch engine, and Buick had a similar 330. So the GTO is the only one with a big motor, although the Chevy 327 L79 had the horsepower. It wasn't a big block. So how would you then prove uh, that your Le Mans is, you know, back when when they were first out, that you really had a GTO, have the build sheet along with it? I mean, If other you found than- the build sheet, yeah, you'd have to go through some documentation checks, but it's got to have the 389 motor. Okay. Without the 389... It's a Le Mans. But a Le Mans could have the 389 motor. No. Oh, okay. So only, only the, GTO the GTO got okay. the 389. And the block of the 389 looks the same and is uh, dimensionally, externally, the same as the 326. How much are those worth now? It depends on the model. Uh, I know of someone that has one uh, $40,000 for a nice convertible. Hmm. All right. So you if learn? they're selling you one at Barrett Jackson for $2,000, that's not a good thing. No, run. <laughs> Especially if you're the one trying to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> not and, a good thing. And Maybe that was the bottom of, half's of mercury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You know, and that was one of the things that they had at, at Barrett Jackson is they verified the vents. Hmm. They got into a situation, and I don't know if it was Barrett-Jackson, but some of the other auction companies, is they took for granted what the owner said it was. Uh, And I had a situation. It could. I had a situation where I had to uh, validate a car. And the guy said, I got an SS450 Ford Chevelle. When I checked the VIN number, it was a a base model 307. Hmm. So he had bought it at an auction. He had paid big block price for it. It wasn't a big block. It wasn't even an SS. And the problem with some of the General Motors cars in those years, it did not indicate which engine or the detail of the body. And Camaros are are that way. A lot of guys make Z28s or SSs or RSs. And there are some codes that come out of the Norwood plant. But if you get a car out of the Van Nuys plant, it could be a six-cylinder car. Wow. Because the VIN number does not indicate. It only indicates V8 or six-cylinder. Hmm. It does not indicate whether it was an SS or an RS. It doesn't give you any of the uh, the option codes. Uh, Chrysler was much better at that. They had a data plate on the inner fender. It had every option code that was on that vehicle. 
Mm-hmm. So you could positively identify a Chrysler product, but General Motors was real lax in that. But the GTO, John Z. DeLorean, had it right. It was hard. It was a hard sell to upper management. But the Pontiac was an instant success for Pontiac and started a whole craze. Chevrolet didn't catch up with a big motor until late 1965. And it was the 396. There were about 200 of those built. Mm-hmm. The 442 in 65 went to a 400 cubic inch motor, as did the Buick and the Oldsmobile. But they spent a year catching up with GTO and the Pontiac division. Just to talk about what we had mentioned a couple of minutes ago that you mentioned, indeed, GTO became a separate make yeah. in 1966, okay. which was surprising to me because I thought the 60 by 65 they had already done that, but apparently not. So, um, you know, if you're, you're listening and you have a GTO, uh, what do you think about it? And Call you, us and give it to us for free. Thank no. you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure that's we're what all going to take turns joyriding that so. car. Yeah. Funny, I just got whiplash. <laughs> I don't know where that actually came <laughs> from. Yeah. Call us in at 800-809-0802 and talk about your GTO or your GTO experiences. And I've got a friend that uh, we chatted a little bit before the show about his GTO experiences. He had a judge. Which was a special edition GTO. The judge. The judge. And he had that in uh, in college and sold that during the gas crunch. Hmm. Got himself a red, white, and blue 1976 special edition Nova. Okay. Six cylinder. Oh. We've hmm. never let him live that down. Does he still have it? No, he and he's doesn't. he's trying to sell it at Barrett-Jackson. <laughs> Barrett-Jackson for GTO pricing. He was anyway, thrilled with $2,000. I kind of shamed him into, at, a, at our 40th, well, we're close in age, and at his 40th birthday, I said, ain't you the guy that owned that GTO that used to straight race? And this? He went out and bought a GTO convertible, and he has it now. Mm. Oh, wonderful. As a matter of fact, he's got two. He's got a, a late model, one of the Australian GTO coupes, and he's got his 1969 convertible, four-speed, 400. I'm curious if, you, if you're listening or watching this and you actually have one of the Australian GTOs. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, when you bought it, did you feel that you had a classic gto like yeah. a modern version of a classic gto because i've i've kind of heard it go both ways as far as people buying it and saying oh this is this is just makes me feel like i'm driving a newer version of a 68 or something yeah. like that yeah. versus people who just bought it and say hey it's a cool car I, I i drove one when they first came out and it was a whole different experience first off it stopped it turned yeah the air conditioning worked <laughs> the radio worked it got gas mileage not you could fun. pass really? a gas station. Not fun. Now the GTO is <laughs> gas tires and octane. That, that, there you go. Yeah, you change it. I like it. All right. Well, the, the Goes letter back in the family is what you're saying. That's what okay, it is. Yeah. yeah, the letter GTO, an Australian built car, same chassis used on the on the Camaro, the uh, the uh, CTS Cadillac, mm-hmm. and it was an excellent chassis. General Motors from the U.S. had to go to Australia to get that, and they brought the cars up and rebadged them. GTOs here. It was the Holden Monaro in Australia. What could the uh, the General Motors have done to the Monaro when they brought it over here to make it sell better? Well, is it a is yeah. it a cosmetic thing? Should yeah. they have put a few more Pontiac looking yeah. shell on it or something like that? Or should they have done something different on the original frame and, and that, that type well, of situation? Four hundred cubic inch engine. Oh, uh, it had an LS. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it had an it LS. Had, that was half bad. It had some horsepower. But I think when they first brought the, the Monaro up as a GTO, they missed certain c- styling cues. And it's because of the age of the people at Generous Motors. They didn't remember what they were trying to emulate. There was no hood tack. There were no hood scoops. And there was no dual exhaust. I don't want it. That's the <laughs> end of that. Well, you know, it only took them a year to figure that out. And the following year, the second year of the GTO in the U.S., they did that. Now, on that same chassis, the whiz kids at General Motors, this is, again, an age group issue, didn't know the heritage of what they were talking about. And they were going to bring back the pickup truck version, the ute in Australia, and try and sell it as an El Camino through Pontiac dealers. They weren't even going to give it to Chevrolet. Wow, that's just mixing. Well, and they could have capitalized on that chassis 
by selling it as a Chevelle as well with different grill and bumpers. Uh, you know, badge engineering, just like they did in the 70s. In a lot of cases, some of the body parts were interchangeable between GTOs, Oldsmobiles, and Chevrolets. But uh, they didn't. They they didn't understand the heritage. I do think, had they gone cosmetically a completely different direction, that could have changed that GTO totally. I think so, yeah. too. And, yeah. I, and I think they really missed out on that opportunity. And who knows where Pontiac would be right now and i and i brought this up with john crayman at the dr george show is let's be real here which would you rather see still exist the pontiac or the buick we know why the buick's here yeah and that's because of china and that's Mm -hmm. the fact that it's so popular there it's it's really integrated well in that culture but if they kept pontiac and decided to jettison buick would general motors be in a better shape and, you know, we, we were talking about that with John because we, we were both interviewing him down at the Dr. George show. And hats off to the uh, the guys down there that the uh, Palm Springs Cruising Association put on an excellent show this past weekend. Over a thousand cars. They raised, they were estimating sixty to $70,000 for the Dr. George Cancer Foundation, which was great. But we talked, about, talked to John about that. And his opinion is the same as ours. Dump the Buick. Pontiac was on a growth spurt at that point in time because they had the GTO, the G8 sedan based on the same chassis, just the uh, longer wheelbase. Even which, the Solstice. I mean, Solstice, it was getting better yeah, yeah, re- which reviews. Was cool. Saturn had the Sky that soon right. came soon after that, and that was an up-and-coming vehicle. Up-and-coming yeah. vehicle, a direct competitor for the Miata mm-hmm. at the same price range with more horsepower and more luxurious feel. But they dumped Pontiac. And I think it's the heritage aspect that the people in charge of Generous Motors right now don't have the automotive heritage or history knowledge to know why things succeeded and didn't succeed and where they were. Oldsmobile, they dumped early on. That was the oldest marquee in the General Motors portfolio. Pontiac had come along after as an as a upgrade of, of Oakland, and it stuck, and it was one of the leading sellers. When you wanted high performance, and you wanted a little bit of upscale car, you went to Pontiac. Mm-hmm. You wanted more upscale, you went to Oldsmobile or Buick. And and I think one of the problems we had in the States with Buick is when they did have high-performance cars, a 70-year-old does not go in to buy it. And when you have a 20- or 30-year-old coming into a Buick or Oldsmobile dealer, the salespeople didn't know what to do with them. Right. So it, it, that went away, right, Anna? I'm still stuck on GTO. Hey! <laughs> I'm stuck on GTO, you know and GTO stuck on me. When no. I was 17, <laughs> was and I was going to Hollywood High... Should we know about this? Yes. <laughs> my friend Jay had a uh, 1967 uh, Mustang GT350, uh-huh. okay. and he wanted to sell it to me for $3,000 oh. because it had a manifold leak, no. and he didn't have the money to fix it. No, no. And I went home, and I said, Mom, <laughs> I need mm. to buy another Mustang. And she said, no, honey, we don't have any room for it. And it just went bye-bye. Oh. You, you didn't so, bring up the manifold leak? You, you, that didn't help sell no. it? You could have retired. No, now. it was on a four-speed and everything. Oh, Full-down yeah. rear seat. It was white oh. with the blue stripes. Blue stripes. And I'm still in love with the cars that that I grew up in high school with. And I think that's, that's yeah. a big... Um, uh, a big draw for people at at the auctions with the with the muscle cars. And we talked to John. They grew about up that with too. them and they love them and w- still want them. The baby boomers are not buying; they're selling. Right. The people that are buying are younger. They want to buy the cars they remembered when they were growing up, and those are the muscle cars and newer. So the hot rods, the Model A's, the thirty twos, they're not necessarily decreasing in value in some cases, but they're not increasing in value. And there's kind of a fire sale on those. We saw the the muscle car era. Those cars were going for big dollars. Whereas you bring up a, a 29 Ford hot rod, which would sell for thirty, forty thousand dollars a few years ago, and twenty is squeaking it out right now. But right. does doesn't the pricing always go in cycles though? It, it it does, but in this case, it's it's the baby boomers getting out of the market. They're retired. We're, they we're want Ferraris to. now. No, no, <laughs> they're they're just no. they're downsizing. Yeah, I think they're downsizing a little bit. I mean, you've got people who, and we've talked about this before, where you've got guys who have 15 to 20 cars. Yeah, They want to knock out about 5 to 10 of them, 
keep the ones they like. And those are the cars that are in your 50s or 40s, you're yeah. around that era. Mm -hmm. So the good news is for some of us who remember the 50s and 60s yeah. and, and to some extent even the 70s, they those cars can theoretically be had for a better price than before because there's a, a bunch out there Yeah, still. Yeah, and, and that's what's happening. And the, it's, the market has become more reasonable for those cars. Mm -hmm. The problem is the buyers of those cars are fewer and they're they're already they're collectors. Yeah. And these cars are getting stashed away. And like I said, with when Randy was talking to people out in the hallways there at Barry Jackson, we we came across guys with, you know, oh, I got a hundred thousand square foot garage and I got ninety cars in there and Ooh, uh, wow. I, I'm I think I'm gonna add an addition on there and Wow. We we met a couple that uh, <laughs> they the race. But are they yeah. doing that for investment or because they truly love the car? They want them. They have the money. They're going to buy them. And and, and you never them. want to buy a car, really, as an investment. No, uh, it, unless it's something you know that's going to really go up. Because most of the cars, let's face it, most of these really cool cars that we see on the streets that mm -hmm. we really like, is your first car. Mm -hmm. Is your girlfriend's mm -hmm. car? Is your uncle's car that he had, and he had two yeah. of them, and you want everything that your parents had, or something along those lines? Because that's where your memories are. Yeah, and, and that's where they were going, and that's where people get them, and that's the best way because you can get them at a decent price, and you don't overspend on them. Some do, but for the most yeah. part, you don't have to. Well, and for you know, if you're really trying to strip it down, a lot of times people maybe want to drive a collector car, and there's a certain age at which a collector car isn't really a viable piece of transportation on, you know, the, mm -hmm. the super highways of today. Right. Um, Just about every car I own is yeah. not a viable, <laughs> yeah. except uh, for uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. I'll tell yeah. you what, with some of the cars we have, we have to have shares in Standard Oil. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that stuff that you pour on your garage floor to clean, clean what, what's that stuff? Garage yeah. cleaner you know, with oil? Uh, yeah, grease sweep or whatever. Degreaser yeah. or Degreaser, something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my car's a controlled leak. Uh, but it still wins awards. No, what Peg's does. Okay. That's Not right. Mine. Do you allow her to park in the garage? I mean, is she parking oh, she's, in the garage? Oh, she's in the garage, yes. We, okay. we, we, we have her car at the house in the garage right alongside her everyday car. My everyday car goes outside. Of course, her everyday car, and, you know, uh, we talk about collector cars and dropping value. Corvettes right now are soft. The market on a C4, C5 is really soft. The, the solid axle cars are not escalating unless they're resto mods, and that's what we saw at Barrett-Jackson. Mm. The resto mods were going 100, 150000 whereas the equivalent stock were restored was half that price. That is interesting, and you're talking a resto mod that's got modern drivetrain and stuff, so yeah. it's more comfortable mm -hmm. to drive. You, you've Absolutely. Got, you've got a, a 1962 Corvette with a C4, an 84 or later suspension you can buy the whole suspension or the whole c4 for three four thousand dollars hmm. but you put that suspension on a tube chassis underneath a 62 corvette you now have a hundred and twenty to hundred fifty thousand dollar car how about that you but, get the best of both worlds yeah, but what i was going back to what i'm saying my wife's got a corvette and we got it really inexpensively because for example she sold her ford focus for enough to pay for the corvette wow but her corvette's a convertible Hmm. Now, what most people know from the news, we're getting quite a bit of rain here. <laughs> so I had to clean the garage out because she told me either install the soap dish or towel, and towel rack or open the garage up so I can get my car in there. That's a great raining. story, Bob. Yeah. Hey, Randy, uh, why yeah. don't you tell us what's next on Talking About why Cars? Why don't you do Well, that? thank yes, you very much, you, you know, Coming up. Segway. Come win a hat. Coming up, as I notice, we're running a little bit of time. Oh, uh, that's right. We are uh, We are coming up on Talking About Cars Thursday morning, 4.30 in the morning Pacific. 7.30 Eastern, Eastern time, time, and don't ask me what it is in Saudi Arabia, but we will have Talking About Cars. Uh, Bogie Latiner joining us from uh, All Girls Garage, and basically the vehicle she had, a 1957 Chevy pickup with a BMW engine yes. called the Montage. Gorgeous mm. machine. They, they unveiled the new car that they're going to be yes. working on. The truck was worked on by 90 women. Yeah. Wow. And they're hoping to get as many for the uh, next vehicle. It's on, uh, go check it out on radio.com, knx1070.com, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all the usual places you watch or listen to um, podcasts. So check that out. That's coming up next on Talking About Cars. All right, Anna, what's on your agenda for this weekend? 
GTOs. Uh, GTOs. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can catch Anna at Peterson Automotive Museum. We have a 440 Oldsmobile in the vault. Do you? Yeah, a some vets. Yeah, come to the Peterson and come have a Peterson. car party with me. You can do that. Okay. Nice. Cool. I know I'm going to at the end of this month. I'll be there. You're going to be there. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to Gas, the Great American Auto Scene. We'll see you next time. T, please tell your friends, like us on Facebook, like me on Facebook, Bob Beck, <laughs> and Gas, Great American Auto Scene, also talking about cars, and visit us whenever you can. Remember, talking about cars with Randy Cardoon. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.